Logistics is transforming our lives and the way we do business in today's ever-changing economy. If your company or community thrives on the quality of your logistics, then we'll give you a peek behind the curtains to the topics and people who are driving this exploding industry. You're listening to the Logistically Speaking GT podcast, produced by Global Trade Magazine and sponsored by the World Economic Development Alliance. You can listen to all our GT podcasts at www.globaltrademag.com or join the thousands that have downloaded our app in the Apple iTunes Store. Now, here's our publisher and our host, Eric Kleinsorge. Eric Kleinsorge. I want to welcome all of our listeners and global trade readers to another one of our special GT podcasts. I'm your host, Eric Kleinsorge, and as I look out my window here in our Dallas studios, I can't help but be reminded how dependent we are on a reliable trucking industry. There isn't five seconds that don't go by, and I don't see another truck delivering products to someplace or someone. That's what excites me about today's topic. We're talking trucking, and as I asked our editors to find us a great guest who could give our listeners some valuable insight on where the industry is, where it might be heading, and even dive into the topic of digitization of freight. I'm excited to say we have the top guy, Jeff Tucker, CEO of Tucker Company Worldwide with us today. Tucker Company Worldwide is America's oldest privately held freight brokerage, specializing in complicated freight like temperature controlled, oversized, and high value, high security goods. Jeff is the past chairman of the board for the Transportation Intermediaries Association known as the TIA. He co-authors and chairs the Committee for TIA's Carrier Selection Framework, which provides guidance on the selection of safe motor carriers. Jeff has also testified before Congress on truck safety matters and advises the U.S. Department of Transportation on highway safety. He is on the board of directors for the National Industrial Transportation League, and if that's not enough, he also chairs its Highway Transportation Committee. As you can see, Jeff is one busy guy, and we appreciate him taking the time to spend with you, our listeners. So with no further ado, Jeff, welcome to the show. Thanks so much. Pleasure to be here. You're very welcome. Jeff, you are one busy guy. I mean, how do you really get it all done? Great people around me who continually remind me what day it is and what I'm supposed to be doing this day. (laughs) uh, but no, great, uh, great group of people around me. And I think in, in staying as connected, we're, as a, as a brokerage, you mentioned we're a brokerage. We're the intermediary between shippers and carriers. And we've got to spend lots of time with customers, shippers, and we've got to spend lots of time with carriers. And, and we've got to know how to run our business effectively if we're going to survive in, in this brutal middle ground. Survive and not only survive, but provide, you know, great service. Yeah, absolutely. With the longevity of your company, you're obviously doing it right. But let's kind of dive right into our topic. With everything else you're doing, I know you closely follow trucking market data. Can you give our listeners a sense of the current North American freight marketplace? Currently, the at least with regard to surface transportation, we're in a really tight, we're in a really tight market. A truck tonnage in July declined just a little bit. Uh, about seasonally adjusted 8.3% compared with a year ago. So, so you would think, okay, well, that doesn't sound, you know, so 
<laughs> so tight, Joe. What are you What are you talking about? There's a lot more data behind. You know, we we went through you know quite a year this year, to say the least. Freight Waves has a sonar product that provides freight tender rejection data. And in early September, a week or two ago, we were seeing in that data about one in four loads, nearly one in four loads that shipper TMS systems were rejected by the first carrier, the first uh, or the first service provider. So wow. freight tender rejections <laughs> rejected nearly one in four times. Now, you just rewind back to, say, May, and you would see almost zero. You go to, you know, there's Morgan Stanley has kind of the gold standard, I think, of the truckload demand with their truckload demand index and truckstop.com's uh, market demand index or MDI. Both of those have been skyrocketing with demand for trucking. And, and, and of course, when demand for trucking skyrockets, so do prices. That data I'm looking at the most recent, and it looks as if we might have peaked a week or two. But just to give you a sense, we went from the lowest in May, April, May, we went from the lowest demand on record over the last 15 years for truckload to the highest demand for trucking on record for the months of uh, August and September in just yeah. five months, right? Three, four That's months. Crazy. So it is. It's quite crazy. At first, you say, okay, well, your first comment, hey, was, you know, freight declined in July and, and you know, well, why would there be a shortage, right? But there's a little bit more beneath the covers, I think. How do, how do we get here? I mean, really, in terms of that type of a switch, how did we actually get here? I'm not going to uh, uh, remind folks about how we came with COVID, but I'd like to look at uh, the last few months, right? The last, uh, so it's September now, 2020. And if you, if you look at, say, February to, to now, it's about a six-month period. And, and that six-month period, I'm a history major, and it, it, it got a little economics in there, but you can almost reckon it to the last century of American history, right? So January, February, yeah, things were just kind of okay. But when, when March hit and the shutdowns that happened, you had um, a little bit of, um, you know, the liking it to the Spanish flu of 1918, right? Then you had just two, three weeks where just when we felt the shutdown was going to happen, you, it was like the roaring 20s, right? But it was a very short lived because it was just, you know, moving toilet paper and hand sanitizers and all those things that we just purged out of the system. And then, you know, we kind of went right into Great Depression where April and May, there were trucks parked as close as they could to the White House asking the president for, you know, assistance and subsidy and and everything else. And, And then, of course, as I mentioned, since that time, since that time period in May, uh, we have seen week after week after week of, you know, sort of perfect storm of capacity crises that we've seen over the last six years that, that just have really stressed the supply chain environment. So I would love to guess and tell the listeners, you know, what to expect the rest of the year. Who could ever have imagined, you know, what we've come through and, and where we've been. So I think, you know, clearly we, we lost a lot of drivers this year. They parked their trucks, that federal subsidy, the $600 a week subsidy, that I think that made parking the truck a lot easier for drivers. And then also shippers, what shippers did was that they, you know, they took advantage of that, right? They went to bid and they, and they got really super low prices that just can't be sustained. And, and in, in some cases, prices we haven't seen in, you know, eight or 10 years. So that's how low 
they reshuffled the deck. But then as the economy starts picking up and carriers have opportunities to make a living, they start leaving those low lanes. And, and, and that is where we are right now. So we're, we're A, we're seeing a, a huge migration of carriers moving from low-paying freight to higher. And then we're also seeing shippers sort of slowly react. And then we're also seeing the beginnings of drivers kind of coming in off the sidelines because rates and prices are just so high. You're kind of talking about a topic that's always interested me. I've been talking about this for probably a little over a year now, maybe even two years. But I I have conversations with people in the industry. I go to CSMP. I talk to people. All over the industry, they're talking about the drivers. And I hear about the concessions, the benefits that are being offered now, and I hear about the excellent wages that are out there. So if the demand is high, why is there such a hard task to find such good quality drivers? I think a little bit of it is perception. You know, the the driver shortage, quote-unquote driver shortage, has been a topic of conversation since the 80s and 90s. And if you think about driving, you know, most of the the demographic of a class is classic demographic of the driver is upper middle-aged males. Clearly, that's the primary demographic. There are every walk of life is driving a truck today. But it's very often a second or third or fourth or late in in your your, uh, working uh, life career. So uh, it tends to be a a snowball or a, a consistent cycle of, you know, every year we're talking driver shortage. But in addition, the driver shortage is uh, nationally or across the country, it's not, there's not really a shortage. We've, we've actually seen nearly a million drivers net added to our four hired driver population over the last eight years alone. The carriers that are suffering a driver shortage are the, the largest carriers. They're the ones on, on everyone's speed dial. I don't think that's a word. Um, favorites list. <laughs> they're the ones on everyone's favorite list, right? They're the ones that when things get slow, shippers will say things like, well, I'm just going to try to, I'm going to try to pare back the number of people. I'm going to really deal with core carriers and really build a relationship. Well, what happens is as soon as the economy turns a little bit and you know, pricing improves just a little bit, those carriers disappear or better term, they ghost the shippers, you know, with certain lanes. I just have a truck in that area and they do it politely most of the time. But the reality is, in a ratio of more like two to one, then drivers are driving for small fleets. It's a huge change. And it really, you know, if you're a shipper, you've got to say, okay, well, how am I, how in the world can I stay in touch with those drivers and stay in touch with those carriers? And I think there's, there's plenty of ways to do that. Be happy to talk about yeah, so let's stick with the drivers and carriers for a moment. I mean, you regularly share data on these drivers and carriers. What's the data telling us? We just recently, as a nation, completed the, the longest economic recovery and, and economic growth period. We, we had a little over 10 years of, of economic growth. And, and, you know, during that time, as I said, it brought nearly a million car- drivers excuse me, to, to the mix. And you can't really look at any other industry and, and, and say, hey, I'm seeing an increase in the number of companies in this space. You know, they're very rare. You're actually seeing, in anything, you're seeing consolidation, but not in trucking. There are 250,000 plus trucking companies. That number is growing. Even this year, it's growing. So as drivers gravitate and join these smaller fleets or as drivers do what, you know, J.B. Hunt did a long time ago and start his own trucking company, 
they're making themselves available, but most primarily through the, you know, the brokerage industry. Um, and that's, that's the only way really a lot of these large shippers can access this, these fleets. But these smaller fleets are absolutely fundamentally critical to how we move a freight as a country. If used in the right fashion, they tend to insulate shippers from these spot market capacity crises. I look back in the 33 years since deregulation in 1980, there was one, one capacity crisis. That was uh, 2003 to five. In the past almost six years, there have been three. Wow. So, yeah. But if you think about just for a second, you know, Amazon Prime, a two-day two Prime is so yesteryear. We want everything immediately. Everything has to be in, uh, in forward warehouses around the country. Everything has to be available. Transportation has a huge premium today that it never had before. So anyway, the, the driver situation is one that I think we'll, we'll continue to have until such time that shipper mentality and buying practices account for it like the way brokers have accounted for it. The brokers know that in order to get freight moved, they got to be dealing with every type of carrier. They've got to be situationally and structurally capable of managing that, getting it done. And, and, you know, shippers are just not there yet. I think some of them are. Some of them are getting it. But it's going to take a little while. That's some great information. gives me so much more to think about and, and what it's going to take to keep us humming along. And uh, if you don't mind, I'd like to change topics a little and talk about the digitization of freight. There's a lot of activity in this space and talk of streamlining the supply chain for large multinational shippers. Now, given market conditions, do you feel that's a solution for combating the capacity crisis? Yeah, I mean, the, the industry straight across the board, you've got new, new competitors with, you know, digital and, and, and Wall Street and venture capital backing and private equity backing. And then you've got, you know, folks like us who are, you know, existing competitors in that space. We are all driving toward, you know, a digital future on that, on that highway. So, yeah, I, I believe it's fundamentally going to change how we do business. And, and in a lot of ways, it already has. And I think, you know, in, in taking a step back from that, one of the reasons why we're seeing this explosion in smaller fleets is that the digitization and the tools that are available for these, these owner-operators and smaller fleets, from a technology standpoint, are so easy they're free for the most part, and they give them insight and access to data around the market conditions that they've never had before. It really helps level the playing field against those big, big, huge companies. But I think, you know, from what I'm seeing from the tech-born competitors is I think their approaches are opposite of what shippers want and what, what I think a lot of us know is really what's needed. So, you know, I think, I think if today, just I mentioned 250,000 trucking companies in business today in this country and, and, and continue to increase, that gives you some sense, right, for how complex this marketplace is. And, and shippers are no different. They're a diverse bunch. You know, I can tell you from serving shippers, and, and they are my customers, serving them has only gotten more complex through the years. You know, they, you know, if digitization wants to democratize the data, they want to water down the data, and there's dreams of, of, of great rich data one day, and I know that's coming. But right now, if you're, you know, your question asks, can it combat today's capacity crisis? Uh-uh. 
I don't think so. <laughs> because what, what, what they're doing is like, you know, a truck's a truck and a load's a load. And, and there's no shipper that I know who thinks a truck's a truck. And uh, very few. You know, shippers today are a diverse bunch. And, and serving them, I'll tell you, as a, as a, as a provider, has gotten only more complex. They last thing they want is a democratized data or watered down. And, and I know we're going to, uh, and we, we have this promise of really rich, important data, but I think in order to get there, we've got a, lo- a long way to go. Customers that I serve, and I've got customers that have products on the same shelves competing head-to-head with one another, they use, in fact, great examples, one that uses the same TMS, Transportation Management System, and they use it differently and they call on time differently. And, they, and, and the reports, the customized reports that they need are wildly different from one another. They have almost like no, but they're the same, essentially same active ingredients, right? So wildly different. No shipper wants to be treated as a, oh, well, I, I'm, I'm a guy with a load. Uh, if anything, they want customization and they think, and they deserve to think, and we treat them today, like their freight is different than their competitors' freight. I want to kind of break off into price a little bit. Yeah. As we're wrapping up, I know you have some thoughts on the pricing of freight and stuff. In today's marketplace, it seems like an enormous factor. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, it's been an enormous factor in the 30 years I've been in the business. It's always, and it's constant. And, you know, definitely technology has has, uh, wrung a tremendous amount of costs out of the equation. And, you know, I talked of how technology has enabled owner operators to survive. You know, there, there were years where you could say to an owner operator, yeah, this pays, you know, $500. Today, that owner operator can see the bell-shaped curve on the market data and say, hmm, yeah, no, I, I appreciate that $500 offer, but the, this load needs to pay $695, <laughs> about $695. So a tremendous amount of productivity has been gained straight across the board. And even within shipper TMSs, a lot of value. But, you know, I think that costs will continue to be squeezed out of the system. And in the meantime, though, you know, our customers and, and shippers in general rarely say they want this frictionless freight connection that data digitalization uh, promises to provide. That's really a back room or back office broker value. That's a value uh, uh, to the broker of exacting more profit out of, a, out, of a, out of a shipment, but it's not really providing the shipper with what they're looking for. You know, I, I can't imagine a shipper or a customer of mine or a prospect that one of our sales reps is talking to that, that goes in and says, you know, I, um, I've got a truck. I'm, I, I've never used them before, but it's definitely a truck, <laughs> and um, I may never use them again, but I'm going to put them on your load. You know, we'd, we'd, we'd get fired or, or kicked out of there. So I think that while price is going to be the driving factor always is and will be forever, as long as there's commerce, I think there's smart ways to go about it. This industry is an exciting one. It's a never been more exciting to be part of than, than it is right now, at least in the last 30 years. Maybe deregulation might have been as exciting. I wasn't in the business then. I was in uh, high school, middle school. But, you know, it's always an industry that has embraced technology and adopted technology. And and I'm really lucky because as a broker, as I started out by saying today, we have to survive in the middle of a really vicious, tough environment. 
we've been able to do that through, you know, through technology over many years. I think this industry is rushing headlong in the future. And I think it's just important that we focus on building technologies around customers' needs. And those of us who are building technology around those customers' needs will be the ones that live to fight another day in the future and, and, and prosper. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's all great information. Before I close today, Jeff, I'm sure some of our listeners, they might want to get in touch with your company. What's the best way for them to do so? Yeah, we're, uh, we're on the web at tuckercompany.com. That's real easy. Uh, send me an email at jeff.tucker at tuckerco.com. And we're also on, on Twitter. And uh, we've got a great Instagram page as well. That's awesome. Any of those ways we'll get in touch with us. Great. Jeff, I want to again thank you so much for taking time out of your valuable day to spend with our listeners. We've always appreciated your expertise, and I've enjoyed our ongoing partnership with our magazine. So I want to, I want to thank you for both of those. And, hey, who knows, maybe, maybe we'll be able to squeeze you into our schedule and have you on another future episode. If you can take time out of your busy schedule, we'd love to have you back. I appreciate the opportunity, and, and Eric, it's a lot of fun. Thank, thank you. you. And with that said, I want to thank you, our listeners, today for your time and hope you found this episode informative and actually help you in your own business. So for now, till we meet again, I'm Eric Kleinsword signing off and saying goodbye till another episode of Logistically Speaking. You've been listening to the Logistically Speaking GT podcast. We want to thank all of our astute readers of Global Trade Magazine and thank all of our great advertisers that help make this possible. Remember, you can subscribe and find all our GT podcasts at www.globaltrademag.com. We hope you'll return next time for another great episode of Logistically Speaking. And don't forget, globaltrademag.com's daily news and information is ranked number one by Google. 